We are on the news line now with Dr. Jennifer Yarnell. She is at Geisinger. Uh, she is a Ph.D. and is in the Department of Psychiatry and is here to talk, us about, talk to us about why everybody is all wound up. Good morning, Dr. Yarnell. Thanks, thanks for this opportunity to talk to you. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. I really do appreciate it. This time of year, I hear a lot of people saying, I ask them how they are, and they say, well, I'm all wound up. What does that mean? We're talking about holiday stress. Is it uh, maybe the pandemic? Uh, sort of what is winding people up so tightly these days? Well, I think being wound up is a complicated, complicated issue. So there's the restrictions are somewhat going down from, from COVID in, in a sense, even though, you know, we see the numbers going up. Um, but, you know, people are excited to have office parties. Kids are excited to have you know, um, Christmas parties, you know, parades are starting to, to go on. Um, there seems to be more of a freedom, um, which is contributing to the, to the energy of, of, um, of the ho- upcoming holidays. At the same time, I think people see the numbers going up in terms of COVID and, you know, the anxiety is up. Is this okay? But I really want to have a good time. Um, you know, you know, questioning, you know, should I get together with family, but I really want to get together with family. So I think that there's this combination of excitement to um, have the opportunity to get together with family and friends and to celebrate, but at the same time, there's like, is this okay? So um, I think that that contributes to the wound upness that that we see. you know, at the same time, I think there's a level of, you know, well, we've been through so much and I want to have, I want to celebrate and how much can I do and I get to go shopping and how much money can I spend and um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of, of a lot going on. Um, you know, and again, you know, I think people are also stressed because, you know, they haven't had the, the freedom in the past and it's like, you know, well, what where's my limit in terms of, um, of celebrating, you know? So um, I think kids are, you know, back in school. Some of them are, are, are quarantined, getting out of school. So there's a lot of, you know, I can't wait for Christmas, but am I going to get to Christmas? What would be a sign that the stress of the holiday might be becoming too much or that uh, you're really starting to get uh, too anxious? So, like, there's stress and then there's distress. Okay, so stress is normal. So when you have a lot of pressure in anything in your in your life, you know you might start to feel some physical tension. You know you might get a little snappy with people. You know in your body you might get a headache or some stomach upset, and you know a lot of that is normal reactions to feeling pressure. So your body says, hmm, you know I'm feeling pressure here, so you know you get a headache, or um, you know you might not be able to sleep. And you can recognize that, okay? But when, when stress starts to turn into distress, this is when people become a little bit more dysfunctional, um, where you might start to have um, feelings of anxiety, um, maybe crying, and you're like, I don't know why I'm crying. Um, you know, your mood shifts, and it's like, well, I'm not just having a bit of a down day. I'm starting to feel depressed. And then it starts to interfere with your ability to, to function. You might call off work or um, not do so well on your final exams at school. Um, so there's these other signals that your stress level is now becoming um, 
dysfunctional. So that's where you have to start paying attention to um, what's happening. And usually other people will point that out to you at that point. So they'll say, hmm, you know, I don't think Dad's doing so good right now. Or, you know, or um, Mom, you know, I think you really need to calm down. And so other people are the ones that will start to kind of point things out to you. And that's a signal that um, maybe things are getting more um, out of control. How could I get some relief from the uh, the sort of the symptoms you just described? Sure. I think, you know, we hear that cliche term, you know, one, take one day at a time, you know, especially when people get stressed. Like, do what you can do today and not, you know, focus so much on the things that you don't necessarily have control over. So we forget that, especially in the hustle and bustle of the holiday time. So people will oftentimes focus on getting their to-do list done. And in focusing on that, they forget about taking their time working through their to-do list. Okay, so what I would tell people is is instead of focusing on all the things that you need to get done, which you hear that a lot, especially during the holidays, I have so much to do, I'm never going to get it done, you're not taking a slower approach to getting that list accomplished. So, for example, you know, making a schedule for yourself throughout the day, you know, the night before saying, well, tomorrow I'm going to get, you know, one, two, and three accomplished. So then you slow it down and you can move through that to-do list instead of being overwhelmed with the idea of getting everything done in a perfect way. Yeah, I have a to-do list, but it's got 20 things on it over the weekend. I would have never, <laughs> under. I mean, the weekend would have to be a week long to get all these things done. So make a realistic to-do list. Yes, yes. I mean, I think that that's the key word is realistic. You know, we have this idea that our you know, the holidays has to be perfect, you know, that you see on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, Good Morning America, you know, you have these beautiful spreads of, you know, decorations and perfect cookies and the perfect gifts. So there's this expectation of perfection. And especially during this time when we've kind of been deprived over the past couple years of having a celebration, there is so much pressure. So that's the ideal and oftentimes unrealistic to achieve that. So, you know, lowering the bar and saying, okay, well, you know, instead of making a four-course dinner for Christmas Day, why don't I order takeout pizza the night before and then just enjoy my Christmas Day? You know, you don't have to have this perfect cookie cutter, for better word, holiday celebration. Avoiding perfection sounds like, like sounded advice. And particularly, you talked about social media. I think that really amplifies things. You see these, I see some of these pictures on Facebook and everything looks perfect. I thought, geez, I wonder if you zoomed out. I wonder if the whole house is perfect or it's just that perfect mantelpiece, you know, or did they actually clean the whole house? So um, I, I no. guess that, but, but yeah, <laughs> we right. We all know that. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, so avoiding yeah. perfection, that's just plain sound advice this time of year? Yes, yes. I, I saw, actually, a funny story is I saw um, a friend of mine had put these, these ornaments that she had made, and they were beautiful. I mean, they were perfection. And I was like, wow, I'm going to do that with my kids. So I looked up a salt dough cookie recipe, and they did not turn out anything like what I saw <laughs> in someone else. And so mine were covered with glitter and those little plastic jewels, and they were supposed to be the shape of a star. It looked like, I don't know what, um, 
you know, just a mess. But but they were those are my ornaments, and I'm okay with that. So I put those on Facebook, you know. Um, so you know it, and they enjoyed it. They had fun making them, and I look at them, and it's it's a reminder that um, you know it's it's okay, and it's probably more fun to do it that way than than uh, you know trying to live up to the ideal. On the other hand, we, we do know that there are some folks who are genuinely suffering from either depression or yeah. uh, just, just super-duper anxious. Um, you had mentioned mm-hmm. before we were recording that reaching out, helping, being supportive is important to folks that you know just generally are struggling this time of year. Tell us uh, your thoughts on that. Oh, sure, sure. Um, this is this, the holidays, especially now, you know, um, can be very difficult for people. Um, you know, in my practice, I see it all of time. So the level of depression and anxiety and people struggling with, with grief is magnified during this time of year. There's so much pressure to be happy and joyful and coming together with people and celebrating. But when you're in emotional pain, um, trying to do that, it feels like torture. So it can be very isolating for people who are struggling and they feel the pressure to, you know, to perform, really. And it's very lonely and isolating time. And when we bring, when we add on the impact of COVID and um, the experiences that we've had as a, as a whole, you know, as our whole population, for people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, and grief in particular, it's just, it's an added weight. So the holidays can be this um, really, really hard time for people who are struggling. And then for, for friends and loved ones who, who do know it, okay, it's like, well, I don't know how to support them. Like, I want to be happy too during this time of year, and like, I don't really want to talk about heavy, bad things. But I want to be there for, you know, for the person who I care about. And, and that can be challenging for people. So while you have the individual who's, who's hurting, you have people who don't know how to support that want to be supportive. So I think the recommendation that I have is just to be there. You don't have to fix anybody's pain. You don't have to give solutions. It's about inviting them to be there and be with them, you know. Um, so I think that that's something that people can do is not try to focus on how can I help someone, you know, um, be happy during this time. You can just be with them. And that in itself is a gift is not knowing that you're alone. Um, so I think that that can take pressure off the person who's in pain and take the pressure off the person who wants to support. It's just to sit with them or just to say, hey, you know, I'd love to have you over or um, if there's anything you need, I am here. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple ap- approach to alleviating some really he- some heaviness that people are experiencing. And if you are experiencing that heaviness, uh, contact mm-hmm. a professional is certainly sound advice. So we'll just stipulate that right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, anything absolutely. else they can do? I think one of the is being um, really selective of who you talk to. You know, so if you are struggling and you have a support system, choose people who are in your support system that are not going to. Um, 
judge you, that are going to give you permission to cry if you need to, um, to acknowledge that you're in pain. So it's about kind of tightening your, your support system to people who you feel like unconditionally are there for you. But, but if it gets to a point where you are feeling hopeless or it's just too much for you to handle, perhaps you don't want to be a burden to another person or you feel like that you're becoming that way, um, that contacting a mental health professional is the right step to take. So if that means calling a crisis line or reaching out to a therapist and saying, you know, I am really struggling and I need some help, that's okay to do. And you should take that step in order to, to, to give the support that you need to get through. How uh, anxiety-producing is it that uh, our body politic is more divided these days? You know, for the past 10 years, we've seen that we have a growing political division, some of it in Washington and Harrisburg, oh, but, yeah. you know, we bring it right into our local area. At, mm-hmm. at what cost? I think that the political pressure um, can, can be very dividing for, for families um, or even social groups or the office party. Um, so, again, I think because be- people have um, become more heated in terms of their belief system or, you know, what they think is right and what they think is wrong or having opinions, you know, perhaps, again, it's about, you know, choosing carefully, you know, um, where you have conversations, you know, is it worth having this conversation at this time? Um, or, again, kind of surrounding yourself with, with people who, um, again, you feel comfortable with with being more more open and talking about um, about issues, but that adds a whole level of pressure, um, political divide, on really separating people from other people. So it is it's a, it's a tough it's tough times that we're go- we're going through, and we oftentimes forget um, about coming together for the things that really matter, and that's you know, community, it's about support, it's about not being um, judgmental about what other people, how other people see things. Well, the things um, that really matter. So I think it, we all need that reminder. It, yeah, the it, things that matter. Elaborate on that. I think that ultimately, really at the, the, the end of our lives, it really matters. What really matters is, is the, the hands that you've held, you know, um, the the experiences that you've had that are that are genuine and meaningful, like those are the things that we remember. Um, having those those connections, um, not the heated conversations or the arguments or the tension or the perfection or you know um, who's right and who's wrong. And um, I think because we are in a very tense situation as a society. We, we forget that because we've been operating like that. You know, for, for the past couple of years, we've essentially been um, alone or, you know, communicating through Zoom or through email or through some other form except being directly with people. So I think the loss of that social connection has really been harmful to, to, to people and distances ourselves from, you know, what, what does matter. I, re- I remember our local uh, United Way talked about kindness, and they had a kindness month, and uh, I believe they're going to do that again. Uh, at first, I kind of rolled my eyes, and I thought, okay, well, that seems you know somewhat noteworthy. But uh, the more we got into it and the more we did it and the more we talked about it, the more we realized that really it's, it's quite a unifying uh, endeavor if we can all just at least think about kindness. Are, are you're, you seem to be alluding to that kind of thing. Yes, 
Absolutely. It's about, you know, walking by and if you see someone sitting alone, say, hey, how are you doing today? Like, and, act, and genuinely need it, you know? Um, or, you know, take a moment and hold the door open for someone, you know? Um, you know, turning around if you're in church and looking at the person behind you, it's a stranger, and not knowing them and just smiling and say, you know, you know, have a good day. You know, we've, we've forgotten what that is because we've been deprived of it in many ways. There's always that option when you're in a Zoom meeting to take your, you know, your, your, the video off and go off and do something else and come back to it. So there's, there's, we've given, we've had permission to isolate ourselves and withdraw from human connection. And we are not designed that way. You know, we are social beings. So, um, when you don't have those opportunities or they're limited, we sort of decline, you know? Um, and uh, now we do need those reminders, like almost like a, a, a preschooler or a kindergartner needs. Now be nice to others, okay? Let's have circle time. <laughs> Let's share. We kind of have to go back to, you know, how we teach little children how, how to, to interact and be kind to one another, you know? So hopefully... You know, we'll get to a point where we don't need those kinds of reminders um, so simply, but um, it is what it is for right for right now. Um, Maybe we should all go back about 20 years and read Robert Fulgham's book again, <laughs> um, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, or its many spinoffs. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking yeah. of young people, we have just a moment left. Uh, how can I be sure. there for young people? You know, we hear students are struggling more these days. Youth are struggling more. Oh, yes, more. they are. How can we be there for them? I think giving kids the sense of normalcy as much as we possibly can is helpful. I think that for teenagers, they have a frame of reference. They know what school was, what it was like before all this. They know what sports was like this beforehand. They know what life was like. So they have a frame of reference. I remember when it was this way, you know? So their struggles are, are a little bit different because they, they, ha- they miss something you know they know how life has changed okay um which brings on a whole host of of problems because the depression the anxiety you know the mental health issues have just skyrocketed with with young people with little kids they're walking into a world they're coming into a world where this is a norm for them in a sense you know like yeah i wear a mask to kindergarten and this is the way it is and they they don't see it as much but um, but they struggle because they're trying to learn, they're trying to engage, and, and there's so much pressure, like, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. So that's a whole host of pressure for, for, for them. So if there is any time throughout the day to give kids a sense of freedom and a sense of normalcy and um, playfulness, again, I'm going to use the word freedom again, that's what kids need. Um, and to make sure that they have those times where they are enjoying playing and talking without, you know, pressure and restrictions of things that they're not allowed to do because of restrictions. And educating them to say, you know, this is the way it is right now because of the situation. So I think open communication, discussions, reassurance um, can be helpful for little children, for adolescents, Okay, for college students who are also struggling. So, um, again, I'm going to go back to bringing, you know, this sense of community and, and, your, you know, and the kindness, what we talked about. 
So we need those moments carved into our day, even if it's for a half an hour, you know, because that can be very restorative and alleviate some of the stress, alleviate some of the anxiety. Dr. Jennifer Yarnell, she is at Geisinger. Uh, She is a Ph.D. and is in the Department of Psychiatry.